Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite, Casey Phillips, and Scott Smith here. And as always, we're going to be taking your questions so you can submit those right under our live video on Facebook. Send us anything we know right now. Lots of stuff going on with free agency and draft approaching. There's probably tons of questions you guys can answer. And I know after this, we're also going to be shooting our next road to the draft where we discuss some of those main draft topics. So we especially love hearing about those kind of questions that we can either answer here or in that other video as and well. And tell us where you're from. And tell us where you're from. We always love seeing where people are watching from. Definitely seen some questions and comments already start rolling through. So um, as we give people uh, some time to right. submit those, we figured let's go ahead and start with some of the news of the week. Andre right. Ellington, our new signing. So tell right. us a little bit about that and, and what you think about what it means moving forward. Yeah, Andre Ellington signed yesterday. That would be Tuesday. Uh, he was under Bruce Arians for almost his entire career. He was a six-round draft pick out of Clemson. And, you know, just making the team and being a productive part of the rotation makes that a successful pick. He he played for Bruce almost the entire five years that Bruce was there in Arizona, usually part of a rotation, often a third down back type. Uh, he averaged 4.2 yards per carry, which is very good. And he caught a bunch of passes out of the backfield and averaged about nine yards per per catch, too. Mm -hmm. So he clearly is a guy that you could use as a third down back. And I think what you look at there is Jacquez Rogers is headed towards unrestricted free agency. Um, there's no guarantee that the Buccaneers will resign him. So this could be pretty much a direct replacement. Right. Also, I think there's going to be some more developments in the defense or in the offensive backfield between now and training camp. So when you get down to it, you're probably going to have Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, Andre Ellington, Andre Ellington, and a couple more pieces, and you see how they all fit together. But uh, right. you know. Jacquez was a guy that our former coaching staff was very familiar with, right? They'd had him in Atlanta. They used him in a couple different varieties of roles. And that's kind of the same thing right now with Andre Ellington. Right. I mean, Bruce knows exactly how he can use him. Uh, he was not in the league last year, but he did get some tryouts with some teams. And so um, I don't think he's passed his point of being effective and certainly still maybe has fresh legs after right. sitting out a whole year yeah that's a good point uh and kevin asked um with the addition of him what does that mean for the future of peyton barber does it mean anything i don't think it means that much because i think what andre ellington would be if he's on the 53-man roster is basically a third down back and and a guy for the rotation but i don't think he'd be the guy that's your primary ball carrier which is what peyton was last year Peyton is, is going to be a restricted free agent, assuming the Buccaneers give him the qualifying offer, which I believe that they will. And if that happens, he's almost certainly going to be back, and he'll be a candidate to be the lead ball carrier again. Obviously, how that shakes out is going to depend upon what other additions we make at that spot. The Bucks are clearly going to make at least one or two additions there. Right. The question is, how big is it? Is it a fairly high draft pick, in which case you're thinking big things for them, like as we felt last year for Ronald Jones? Or are we talking just another smaller piece of the puzzle? Right. That's a really great point. Uh, I saw we had, of course, our normal weekly question about if we're going to re-sign uh, Adam Humphreys. That's from Dion yeah. is watching in Lakeland. I think that's the toughest one to call of all of them. I think Donovan Smith will be back. If you press me, I think Quan Alexander will be back. Adam Humphreys is the toughest one because, uh, you know, after what he did last year, I expect him to draw some interest from some other teams, and I think he probably would be motivated to try to at least make it to the beginning of free agency. You know, this is the this is the window now where we could re-sign our guys and nobody else can. Right. And uh, I would expect Adam not to do that, barring a very big offer, and, and try to see what the interest is in free agency. That, so that one's tougher to call, and... I hope so, right. but you know that's what happens in the NFL. You you do really well, and you get a chance at unrestricted free agency, and you might find a better opportunity. Um, David just said, "Hey, what's up, Casey and Scott? You guys do a hey, great job." Up? What's up? Uh, that's a great way to get your name read on the show. Is to compliment <laughs> us. We're big fans of that. Did you actually so. say his name though? 
Yeah, I said David. Oh, David, okay. Yep, good old David was asking us. Um, I also was, I wanted to talk about, you mentioned that it's the time right now yeah. where we can re-sign players. Just overall, where are we at in the off-season right. calendar and, and the franchise tag and, and all the different phases of what we can and can't be doing right now? Right. In fact, that's a good thing you bring up there. The franchise tag window just opened yesterday and will last two weeks. Uh, and that's the time period in which teams can put either a franchise or a transition tag on one player. They can do one or the other. They can't do both. And it's not really worth discussing all the nuances of what those tags are. But the main thing that you usually see is a non-exclusive franchise tag. That means that players can go out and get another offer. But if they sign with another team, the team that lost them gets two first-round draft picks. So as you can see, it's kind of prohibitive, and it, would, it takes an unusual situation for that to actually happen. Right. So generally, putting a franchise tag, either exclusive or non-exclusive, pretty much ties him to the team that, that put that tag on. And the reason you would choose exclusive or non-exclusive is they di- they carry a slightly different uh, number, a salary figure. So the Bucks haven't used one of those since 2012, and they used it then on Connor Barth. And you might you see that from time to time. You think franchise player or kicker. Right. It's probably not what this thing was intended for when the CBA was formed in 1993, which is a long time ago at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was intended at the beginning. Free agency was just starting. It was the first real free agency where guys could actually hit free agency and choose another team. And there's nothing like with Adam Humphreys. If Adam Humphreys right. wants to leave, there's nothing the Bucks can do about it unless they use their franchise tag on him, which would which be. Which is funny because Michelle asked, is Humphreys eligible to be a franchise He's tag? He's eligible, but it would be unlikely because the franchise tag for a receiver this year will probably be somewhere in the 13 to $14 million range. And I don't think that's what you would expect Adam Humphreys to get. Okay. I think he'll get a nice contract, but I don't right. think so. The guy that. It's worth mentioning because everybody's already – it's already out there. Donovan and Smith himself said on, I think, Good Morning Football he expects to be back. The guy that makes the most sense if the Buccaneers wanted to use that would be Donovan Smith. Perhaps they're trying to negotiate a contract with him right now, a new long-term deal. But if you get to uh, the start of free agency or, or the end of this transition tag window, franchise tag window, and you haven't got that done yet, it's kind of a fail-safe. You know, because – for the for the tackle this year or offensive lineman in general, the franchise tag would be about fourteen or fifteen million dollars, which is not out of line with what a a top tier left tackle is going to get in free agency. And if Donovan Smith hits unrestricted free agency, he's going to get that because he's going to be maybe the best right. left tackle available. They, they just don't hit free agency very often. So as, what the franchise tag often does is really it extends your negotiating window. And that's what, to bring it full circle, that's what happened with Connor Barth in 2012. You put the franchise tag on him because for a kicker, it's not that bad. It's like 3 or $4 million. But it also gives you more time because at any time before the player signs that tag, they have until, I think, July to actually sign it. At any time in that window, you can re-sign him to a new long-term deal, and then the franchise tag just goes away for that year. Got so it. that could be something you do with Donovan Smith or with any player, or you, you take them for one more year at a cost you're okay with, and it's like your final evaluation to decide maybe we do or do not want to invest long-term. Okay. Uh, Dan asked, can we keep Gerald? And the way he asked that makes me think he means money-wise. Because he didn't yeah. ask, should we, in terms of right. like a skill set thing. It sounds more like he's saying, are, are we capable money-wise of Hey, until him? anything happens, he's still with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's under contract. And, yeah, I think there are certainly – it depends on what happens with other players. Well, first of all, yes, of course you can because you're under the cap and you already have his salary figured in. I right. think the, the larger question is can you keep him or other players that you might be considering letting go 
and still do what you want to do in free agency. So that's the larger question. Right. Um, I'm just with Gerald. I'm just taking the attitude. And I know there's a lot of rumors out there, but until something happens, he's a Buccaneer. Okay. Uh, Hardy said, "What about the offense?" Hardy Nickerson. <laughs> yeah. Not unfortunately, no. Hardy is not watching our show. Are you sure? Uh, unless he changed his last name to Williams. Oh, okay. Probably not. Right. Uh, he said, "What about the O line? Do you think uh, we will be upgrading this off season?" Well, I would think the most obvious answer would be right guard because, uh, you know, if you look at what happened last year, the Buccaneers had five offensive linemen who combined to make 79 of a possible 80 starts, which is, hasn't happened for the Bucks in like 15 years. It's pretty rare. Usually guys miss a few starts, right? Or there's a big injury and they miss a lot. The only guy who missed one start was DeMar Dotson, and he was back. And when – Barring that, when those five were in there, four of them basically played every single snap. They mm-hmm. never came out. Right. Uh, the exception was at right guard, where Caleb Beninock was the starter, but he was basically splitting his his snaps at two-thirds, one-third with Evan Smith before Evan Smith went on uh, injury reserve. And then a few weeks later, Alex Kappa, the rookie, started rotating mm-hmm. in. So, it, I mean, it, it – it's pretty obvious that that was the one position that wasn't settled in the minds of the former Buccaneers staff. Uh, so that would be the one you were you were least happy with, obviously. Right. And I don't think. And also, um, when you're talking about the investment it would take in either free agency or the draft to get a new candidate to be in the mix to start a guard, cost less, in, whether in terms of free agency dollars or a draft pick, than usually a tackle would. Okay, uh, and I've seen this question a few different times, but um, Matt said, is there any possibility that Donovan Smith gets moved to right tackle and then we draft a left tackle? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a possibility that's out there. I think that would depend upon the player you draft, and it could it could also be not necessarily an immediate thing. Um, you, might, you might draft – there's guys out there, uh, I think, as a matter of fact, Jawan Taylor, the, the Florida one, who's considered a – maybe top half of the first-round draft pick tackle. I think he played right tackle at Florida. So there are guys out there that kind of profile as a guy you could start at right tackle and then see if eventually they'd, they'd be your left tackle. So you, yes to the question, but also yes, but possibly a little later on. Right. Okay. Uh, Kenneth said, where do you think we could use the most improvement? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, obviously on defense, um, I think uh, probably – uh, just scheme and coverage in the secondary. You know, you watch the season. We gave up just so many yards. Uh, the pass rush was better. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that's the place we need the most improvement. That would have been the obvious answer last year. Um, and then in a larger sense, just turnover ratio. And that, that enco- I didn't want to use that one because that encompasses a lot of things. That, right. that encompasses Jameis Winston um, throwing fewer interceptions and being more careful with the ball as he was down the stretch. Uh, and that also encompasses your defense creating more. more. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into that. If you want to just pick one stat, that's it. Uh, you know, Actually, if you take three things from last year, turnover ratio, uh, red zone offensive production, and uh, I forgot what the third one was going to say. Just your secondary, the coverage. Yeah, I guess allowed. so. Uh, you, you take – oh, no, no, it was going to be record in close games. Oh, Because okay. that hasn't been a, a problem less. So do you make the plays at the end of the game? Um you could turn those seasons around rather quickly. Okay. But those things are kind of high-level ones right. that kind of encompass a lot of little factors that go into it. Okay. Uh, sort of related to that, Cord asked, do we attack the secondary through free agency or the draft? And then he said, I personally believe we need some veteran depth. So he was saying yeah. that he thinks more of the free agency. That's a very good point. I think he said his name is Cord. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think it's a really good point because if you look at the room right now and if you assume Brent Grimes, who's headed to unrestricted free agency, is not back, then you really have a very young room there. Uh, you know, your two starting safeties presumably right now, Justin Evans and Jordan Whitehead would be third and second year players respectively. You know, Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart are young. Even Vernon Hargraves is still pretty young. Ryan Smith is still pretty young. I think that's a really good point. It was something that was a little bit lacking in that room last year, to be honest with you. And, yeah, there's some guys out there that you could bring in that would definitely bring leadership. And, and some of them, uh, obviously, like a Tyran Matthew, would have uh, experience in Bruce's system and, and how he likes to run things. Yeah. I, I think it's a great point. I think you could address the secondary, and it needs to be addressed, both in free agency and the draft. Uh, this is a great question and, and sort of a topic that ends up discussed every year around the draft. But Rodney said, does the position group of need differ in free agency versus the first round in the draft based on available talent? So the idea of our needs, how do they match up right. with the draft and what it has the most strength in? And then also same thing of who are available free agents, which one matches with our needs a little bit well, more? Well, that obviously um, depends on the year and the needs. If you, There's been a lot of years recently when the answer has been both. Mm -hmm. um, I believe uh, we were just talking about Vernon Hargraves and Brent Grimes. I think that was the same year. We signed Brent Grimes and we drafted Vernon Hargraves. Uh, last year, we really needed to upgrade the defensive line, including bringing in some depth of DT, and we signed Bo Allen and Mitch on Ryan, and then we drafted Vita Vea. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the only thing I would say about that is if you hit one of them in free agency, that can change how important it is for you in the draft. But sometimes you just double up. Right. Um, John from Spring Hill asked, if we have the chance, should we draft any of the quarterbacks, given that Winston's contract will mm -hmm. be coming up, and also how many good quarterbacks have been coming into the league in recent years? Yeah, I guess it just depends on what you think of the second and third tier of quarterbacks. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with using a fourth, fifth, maybe even a third-round pick on a, on a quarterback. But if you're talking about the guys like, obviously we're not going to draft, I wouldn't think, a Haskins or a Kyler Murray or a Drew Locke or a Daniel Jones, the guys are expected to go either in the first round or high in the second. I wouldn't expect that. But then there's always other tiers of guys, and, and I, there's nothing wrong with getting that. In fact, let's just hypothetically say the Buccaneers sign or re-sign a veteran to be the primary backup because both Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan Griffin are unrestricted free agents. That's why I word it that way. So let's say you bring in or bring back a, an experienced veteran to be your main, probably going to be your main number two guy. Well, you're still going to need a number three, and it, it wouldn't be bad if that was a developmental guy. Now, whatever you think about Winston's future, it's, it's good to have a guy that you could develop as well if it doesn't go the way you expect it to. So you could draft a guy and – and either he keep, you keep him as the third quarterback, which, by the way, I looked it up, and Bruce, during his five years in Arizona, almost always had three quarterbacks on the active roster. So you can either do it that way or you can keep the developmental guy. You can try to keep the developmental guy on your practice squad and do it that way. So I think it makes sense. It'll depend at the time what's available and how the Bucks feel about those players. But it certainly wouldn't be a, a strange move to draft a quarterback on the third day of the draft. Okay. Uh, and then Todd said, do you think we'll see our tight ends getting a good bit of action in this new offense? Because we knew that Coach Cutter was a very big fan yeah. of tight ends. Mm -hmm. So now how might their roles change, yeah. shift? Especially with O.J. Howard. I think some people look at uh, the tight end history of Bruce Arians in Arizona, and there just never was a whole lot of it. Most of their passing game went through the wide receivers because they had great ones, and also running backs like David Johnson. And the, the – uh, 
tight ends were guys like Jermaine Gresham, who weren't big volume pass catching guys. But I think that was just a matter of personnel. They didn't have an OJ Howard. OJ Howard is what, 6'6", 250, and fast and can jump and can work the seams. He's a mismatch weapon that there's no way that he's not going to use. It would be like they, they used Larry Fitzgerald a lot in the slot in their last couple of years. It would be like using Larry Fitzgerald, just a bigger Larry Fitzgerald, because, because Howard can run and catch like a big wide receiver. So I think they're going to have all kinds of things to do, and I don't mean to discount Cam Brake too. Both those guys, I think they're going to have plenty to do with those guys, and I wouldn't worry about the fact that the Cardinals didn't have big tight end production. Okay, well, thanks so much, as always, for contributing and hanging out with us. We're actually going to be coming live from the Combine next week, so tons of draft questions will be awesome there as well. I think we're going to also hope to have a few of our scouts on and talk to them about their processes, so if you have any questions for them as well, make sure you're tuning in next week. Think about all those questions for us as we'll come live from the Combine, and we'll see you then.